Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. Good morning, warriors. Time to start your day. Keep your head up, marching on. Don't let nothing stand in your way. Hello there, warrior. I'm your host, Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors, a wisdom sharing platform for all people impacted by an eating disorder. Recovery Warriors provides resources and support to heal your relationship to food, body, mind, and soul. I believe recovery is not only possible, but it is worth it. That is why Recover Strong exists, to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder. Today is a five things feature where you get more recovery wisdom in less time. And today's topic is a super important one because I see this come up so much in people who are struggling with an eating disorder and even people who aren't struggling with eating disorder. I think this is a common issue that people face and it's understanding your true worth and value. And the inspiration for this show is from a listener named Laura. She recently filled out our listener survey And when we asked what would she like us to cover on the show, she asked, I'd like to have the problem of worthlessness covered more. So Laura, this show is dedicated to you and all the other warriors out there who experience this feeling of not being good enough. And just to plug the listener survey, if you want us to cover a topic on the show, literally, like you ask, we deliver, fill out the listener survey. We're we're getting great responses. It's so helpful for us to craft your experience as a listener and get the topics covered that you are most interested in. So use your voice down in the episode notes below, fill out the survey. It helps us help you more and everybody else out there. So once again, Laura, thank you for filling out the survey. I hope this show really helps you. And to help me in this show, I brought on Andrea, our show producer. Hey, Andrea, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm happy to be back. (laughs) Yeah. So Andrea and I both will give our perspectives when we explore these five ways that worthlessness can show up in your life. And to really get into this show here, I want to first say... In this time frame, we're not going to be able to cover like the whole depth of this topic. And there is a resource I want to link you to. And it's Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. Uh, I've done, what, four book clubs now with this book. It's so worn. I mean, Andrew, you can probably see in the camera. <laughs> like I have all these <laughs> notes in it. I mean, it's this is the best book possible to really dig deep into this topic, uh, in my opinion. And I'm just going to open up with a, a thing that she talks about in terms of worthiness, and that came from her research. She says here, quote, love and belonging are essential to the human experience. I realized that only one thing separated the men and women who felt a deep sense of love and belonging from the people who seemed to be struggling for it. That one thing is the belief in their worthiness. It's as simple and complicated as this. If we want to fully experience love and belonging, we must believe that we are worthy of love and belonging. When we can let go of what other people think and own our story, we gain access to our worthiness. The feeling that we are enough just as we are and that we are worthy of love and belonging. 
When we spend a lifetime trying to distance ourselves from the parts of our lives that don't fit with who we think we're supposed to be, we stand outside of our story and hustle for our worthiness by constantly performing, perfecting, pleasing, and proving. Our sense of worthiness, that critical important piece that gives us access to love and belonging, lives inside of our story. So that's just kind of setting the stage for this, is really this idea of owning our story Because when we can truly do that, we're not standing outside of it. Also, kind of a note on this show, as we continue to dive more into the five ways that worthlessness shows up in your life and how to transform it, is shame will likely come up, right? Shame is essentially by definition the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So if you experience shame, notice it welcome it in. It's okay to be there. It's okay to have shame in your space. But we ultimately want to shine light on it because when we do, we can bring self-compassion in and that self-compassion can start to break away the shame and allow you to own your story in a more wholehearted way. So Andrea, are you ready for us to dive into the five ways that worthlessness shows up in our life and how to transform them? Yes. Can't wait. The first way, if you have a hard time receiving from others. So this is essentially the idea that it's so easy for you to give to others, but to actually receive can feel so uncomfortable and so painful. Andrea, does this resonate with you? Have you had difficulty taking in or receiving nurturing and care from others? I definitely have in the past. That is something, especially when I was still really deep in my eating disorder, that came up a lot. I have wonderful people in my life who are generous generous with me and have been, especially in harder times, whether that's like emotional help, financial help, love. Like I've, I have wonderful people in my life who've given to me, but when I was feeling so ashamed and so unworthy, it's exactly what you described. It's painful to receive help and love and people caring for you because you feel like you don't deserve it. And I would be gracious on the outside. I try to be a a gracious receiver, but on the inside and in private, it was just beating myself up. I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy of help. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of care. I'm a burden. I'm a bad person. And it really swallowed me and, and ate me up for a long time. I had such a complex about receiving care. I would try to avoid it (laughs) as much as possible. And uh, when people did give it to me, yeah, it was just a spiral of, of beating myself up. And it was definitely fueled from feeling unworthy. And thankfully now with recovery and building a better life um, and learning, yeah, self-compassion is really the key to so many things. And that is no secret. That's the key that helped here. And it took time. It took years to be kind to myself because I didn't even think I was worthy of being kind to myself. But after being kinder, talking to myself nicely, starting neutrally at first actually helps too. Because when you're fe- you really hate yourself and you really don't think you're worthy of, of being treated well by yourself or or others, um, starting neutrally helped. It took time, but I am in a place now where I'm not faking it when I'm being gracious <laughs> when people are giving to me. I, um, it's a positive, pleasant thing, and also because that shame piece is so far away from me now, I also feel more in a place to be the person who gives as well. So I've definitely risen above that, I think. And I'm, and I'm happy about that because it's not fun to be living that way. 
And that just kind of ties in with what the opening quote from Brene Brown was really about this idea. If you don't believe you're worthy of getting the support or like you're not worthy of the love and belonging, then any type of love that people are giving, whether it is money or compliments or uh, time can feel yeah, like you're a burden that you're taking something from them. Yeah, and big time. Yeah. And I love how you tied in the self-compassion because that's going to be something we'll probably tie in every single <laughs> point here. <laughs> the miracle cure. <laughs> it really is. It's a miracle cure, self-compassion. Uh, also, is the I'll break it down into one component that you meant, like the, uh, one component when you talk about that neutrality, is that just mindful self-awareness of noticing like this person is offering me something and I'm feeling extreme discomfort or um anger like there could be so many emotions that could be buried in that act of a feeling like of receiving or that you need to all of a sudden reciprocate right away you know and and that's not necessarily why someone gives like i don't and if someone's giving to you they're not doing that with these strings attached it it can be just an act of generosity it doesn't have to be reciprocated yeah. so just noticing your desire to reciprocate like right away we've talked about this before with compliments like if someone compliments you can you just receive it and not have to give a compliment right back mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so to transform this practice the ability to truly receive from others it will not happen overnight this can be an ongoing process, and I just recommend bringing self-awareness to it. Notice when you are receiving what your reaction is. Notice your thoughts, the reaction on a mental state. Notice the reaction on a bodily state. How do you physiologically feel when someone is giving to you and you are receiving? And start to gently work with that and, and bring self-compassion in whenever you feel that you aren't worthy of receiving. And this segues now into our next way that unworthiness shows up in your life. The second way. You may feel compelled to meet the needs and desires of others at your own expense. This kind of ties in with what we were talking about receiving, but then we're going to put it at the other spectrum of giving, right? So instead of receiving, you end up going more into the giver role where you just want to give, 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 and that can lead to feeling chronically depleted and exhausted because you're just giving so much and you're not receiving back. And as we've talked about on the show is this idea of filling your cup. And so if you're always pouring, 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 pouring from your cup, at some point your cup becomes empty and you feel exhausted and burnt out and like you don't have any more to give. Andrea, is this something that you found because you mentioned that over time you are able to give more generously now that you are also being able to receive, but was there a period where you felt like you wanted to be more of the giver role because that felt safer for you and possibly that you would earn love more in, the, in that way? I do resonate with this sort of in a, in a little bit of a different way from what you're saying, because even in my hardest times, I have actually been pretty good at uh, like keeping boundaries and letting people know when I need to rest and take care of myself. And um, I'm grateful for that because there's some times where I certainly needed it. But I do recognize that I think I have been doing that in a way like giving and giving at the expense of myself. Um, but I didn't recognize it at the time. And looking back, I think it was just in the form of feeling like I need to perform, like overachieve at work, overachieve at school, perfectionist. And in that way, particularly, it was like I needed to do that to please a parent. So I guess it was like giving myself 
to performance, to overachieving, to make my dad happy at the expense of my mental health and my mental wellness and my exhaustion. And I was, I get so exhausted and depleted that I couldn't perform. And then I'd beat myself up over that. And it was just a whole cycle. So I think that's the way that it sticks out for me for this one. Totally. I resonate with that as well. Kind of this performer people pleaser. And, and oftentimes I would you know, I would create what I think their needs and desires are. Like I wouldn't even truly, like they wouldn't come out, hey, this is what I need and this is what I desire. I'd be like, I think this is what they want. Like, so I'm going to be that or I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And instead of just having this open dialogue and I've noticed this would come up a lot in, in relationships, you know, trying to be the girl that the guy wants instead of just being the girl and, you know, and allowing the the want to come because of just the organicness and the authenticity around it instead of being like, uh, I need to control this experience. So I need to look a certain way or act a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that leads us so far away from ourself when, when we're always trying to perform for others. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to be there for others and that's the thing it's like you can you don't have to be something for other people but if you enjoy being there for others and you you enjoy giving it's like you have to take care of yourself first to do that it's so important yeah this comes in so much with caregivers people who really assume a role of a caregiver whether they're a mother or they work in a healing profession and even like the work that we do you know i've i've come through so many cycles of this working in my life just feeling so depleted giving 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 and and then just feeling exhausted at the end of the day and Mm -hmm. like my needs weren't met and it leads to resentment over time if this keeps happening. And because you end up just being like, what the F? Like, you know, who's here for me? Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's a key piece noticing when this comes up in your life. Like, are you experiencing resentment? Mm-hmm. This can be another way to kind of see like this burbling underneath the surface. Are you feeling anger or possibly instead of anger sometimes can be a harder emotion to to access but maybe you're feeling frustration or irritation or kind of this like irritableness Mm -hmm. around people maybe snappy and looking at okay wait am i am i meeting my needs right now am i putting others before me the interesting about thing about this too is that often we assume people need us more than they actually do yeah. Because there is some value that we get from being needed, from being, you know, the one that they're coming to for help and support or, or whatever. And starting to allow people to have their own independence can really help them. So that's a way of actually nurturing them hmm. is by giving them more independence. I'm going to remember that. I have one of my best friends I've known since I was five. I keep thinking of her as we talk about this because she's one of those people who gives, 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 feels like she has to be there for people or perform in some way. And um, it's hard to see because I'm like, you need to take care of yourself. And like these people, they'll be okay without you. But I like the way of framing it. Like you're actually, if you want to help them, you're doing them a favor by letting them be independent. That might, that might resonate with her. I'm going to share that. (laughs) Because like, People can then just become dependent on your overly generous nature and then they can always feel like, you know, and I just spent a, a lot of time with my friend in Switzerland with her four kids and I'm just looking at like kids, right? It's like they need their mom. And at times though, there's like, there's a process where they need to start putting on their boots by themselves and they're mm-hmm. like jacket by themselves and and they get a lot of pride too when they can start to do these things. And so the more you can, obviously you don't leave them hanging if they, if they need help. I, I think over time, 
we actually learn more when we're given a little more autonomy. To transform this one, first connect with how am I feeling? How, how am I getting my needs and desires met? And do I really need to help this person in this way or to this degree or at this level, duration, frequency, whatever it is? Or can I set a boundary that can actually help them help themselves? And obviously this is all case by case, situation by situation. So just to kind of summarize, when you feel compelled to meet the needs and desires of others at your own expense to transform this, practice the capacity to be deeply present to the suffering or pain or just needs of others without rushing to rescue, to fix, or to give what you think or you perceive is missing. So practice that. Once again, all of these, when you practice, may feel uncomfortable at first to give that pause (laughs) and say, do I need to rescue or fix or give right now? Or can I just simply be there for them without having to, to do that? So moving on to our next way that worthlessness can show up in your life and how to transform it. Way number three is workaholism. And this is where we can add maybe to perfectionism, just this idea of needing to go above and beyond any standards, set them high, reach these high standards, always be striving towards them, never feeling good enough, bar keeps moving upwards, and can ultimately lead to, ironically, because you're hustling so hard, to not feeling fulfilled because you're never really actually sitting there and celebrating the moments of achievement. It's always more, 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 do more, do more because inside can feel like I'm not enough. I need to be more than I actually am in order to have love and belonging or to feel love and belonging. Uh, Andrea, with your Capricorn nature, which can definitely (laughs) fall into that workaholism, is is this something that you've struggled with? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, oh my God. I'm just like, I'm blowing my mind right now because like, I'm thinking about, my dad doesn't listen to this. I keep calling him out, but my dad's a Capricorn and I never made that connection before. I'm like, that's why he was like instilling this in me and <laughs> gave me all these standards and like the whole concept. He's one of those parents that was like, if you come home from school and you get 99% on a test, he's like, where's the other 1%? <laughs> like, It was that kind of situation. So I, I grew up with that kind of pressure and I, yeah, overachieving perfectionism, like, oh my God, I don't even know where to begin with this. It's, <laughs> it's been such a big thing in my life from a young age and I have come a long way with that. Um, like there were times where like I got a job when I was 13 before anyone had one. Like most people get jobs when they're 15, 16. I got one at 13 because dad's like, time to work. <laughs> and like, I just always felt like I had to be doing more, doing extra. He's like, yeah, you're the youngest person to get a job. And then when I did have a 16, when I was 16 and everyone else started to have jobs, it's like, well, get two jobs. So I was working two jobs and going to high school. There was one time I actually had three jobs. And then when I uh, oh grew God. up in my 20s, I'd work full time and then a part time job. I always felt like I had to be like oh if you're working a 40 hour job that's not that's so basic like that's so average like i'm going to do more than that i'm working 60 to 80 hours a week and it's like oh my god it's exhausting and so i would do that and i'd go i would go through a lot of cycles of like overachieving pushing myself and then just be so exhausted and burnt out and then go have a emotional mental breakdown and have to go on leave from work for 3 months to 
come down from all that. And I would just cycle through that over and over. And oh my God, it was so bad. And I'm so grateful now that I have come a long way with that. Last year was the first year in a couple of years where I actually worked consistently without having to go on leave, without having a a mental breakdown, because I have been practicing uh, moderation and uh, I, my motto used to be like, good enough isn't good enough. Like I have to be the best and perfect. Now I'm like, good enough is good enough. Like, <laughs> uh, Don't need to be perfect. I really have been letting go of that. So I'm thankful for that. And it's been, oh my God, it's been like one of the biggest curses of my life. It's been a challenge to overcome and I'm, I've risen to that challenge and I practice it all the time. And I'm practicing it again now, now that I'm back in school, because I practice things so much in my work life. And now I'm a student again for the first time in 10 years. And now I'm like getting graded and stuff. And I am like, okay, time to work on this. It's okay. Like I got uh, 88% on a test and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's not in the nineties. What am I going to do? And then it's like, Andrea, stop it. C's get degrees. (laughs) We're going to do this. (laughs) Dad's not going to see these grades. It doesn't matter. Like, (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. I never thought about like, that's so cool to be able to have that experience now going back to school with all the awareness of like the grades truly like don't matter. Like, yes, they can help you get to different opportunities, but no one looks at GPA like when you're hiring. <laughs> like, yeah, like I didn't ask you for your GPA for this job. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> no so one has. It, it sounds so exhausting. I mean, I, I can resonate too. I, I never, I think Maya was a bit opposite where like that, harsh father voice of like wanting the perfection was more internalized for me. Like it was something that I created in my own kind of inner, inner voice. It, and I remember mm. like, cause my dad wasn't really there. And so he didn't care about my grades. And if I ever talked about him, he'd compare him to m- my half sister who was like 10 years younger. So it just didn't feel like it was apples to apples. You know, it's like, she's in kindergarten, yeah. dad. <laughs> like, um, okay. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like, she colored in the lines. I'm in like, advanced biology (laughs) okay like um so so that always kind of felt a little off to me and my mom also wasn't really um you know she 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 was had her own struggles and so I was the the kid who would like put it on the fridge myself to try to like say hey like look at me like and but it became um I just remember like it became so debilitating and and um yeah, I does. even had like kind of OCD tendencies where this was back in the day. I mean, I don't even know how school is done now. Like they're probably doing on computers, but like this is where we had to like write things out on paper, you know, and, and yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't have a, I couldn't have something crossed out. Like I literally couldn't. And so I would, even if it was front to back and I wrote out everything and I had to cross something out, I, I would redo it. Mm-hmm. I would take the whole thing and do, do it over. And it, it was I mean, if I look back, it was so sad, you know, to think about me just like punishing myself for having just not literally feeling like I could cross something out and I had to do it again and do it perfectly. And uh, I, you know, I was valedictorian in my high school. Like I, I, but I, it was at the expense of my mental health in in the end. And because I was just so stuck on on it being perfect. And I showed up as that annoying teacher's pet who probably people like really didn't like. But then I tried to balance it out with being like the bad girl. So I was like the bad girl, the athlete and the teacher's pet. Like, let me be everything to everybody. Like I could fit in with everybody. And so that was another kind of thing too, where I worked hard so I could, you know, 
fit in with the geeks. I worked hard so I could be the best on my team. And I worked hard so I, so it was just like everywhere I worked, I just worked hard. I worked hard so I could be the one who could keg stand the most, like, like in the fastest. So I just like, (laughs) I I was good. I could drink four beers in a minute. Accomplishment. I, but that's like once again now I know we have these like 18 year old listeners don't do that <laughs> don't wait till you're 21 for real <laughs> don't do yeah for real like for real don't do that like I've lost brain cells uh, a lot yeah. like Same. it's not oh worth it not worth it yeah it's like now it's better I promise <laughs> I mean whatever if you want to have like <laughs> yeah I'll say binge anyway. drinking doesn't lead to love and belonging okay i'll say that i can truly say binge drinking does not lead to love and belonging it leads to hangovers and you regretting things and sometimes destruction (laughs) and sometimes the police come by in my experience so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so this idea workaholism can just tie into when when we were talking about it too it also made me think about tying into uh like exercise as well like wanting to just overachieve in something and we often tie it then to metrics like the workaholism can be like the grades or the hours spent or the products that you're pushing out or the tasks that you're completing or it could be the amount of reps you're putting in or amount of time you're putting in and so it's just noticing this like thing of inside your head feeling like I'm unaccomplished I'm selfish I'm lazy therefore I need to be accomplished I need to be proactive I need to always be doing 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 and having these having difficulty just setting limits or saying no to requests for help or to even to your own self saying no like I don't need to work out today like I'm tired like I'm physically tired my body hurts or I have this injury like to be able to have those boundaries in place There's so many external ways that you can measure your worth or tie your worth into. But when you really start to practice and understand that your worth has nothing to do with those, it is from who you are, it is from within, like then everything can fall into place when you recognize that difference. Mm. And here's the thing about that too, is you may think, well, if I don't do that, then I'm not gonna, I won't achieve, I won't accomplish anything. And it's, it's like this, we've talked about this in the past too, like when we kind of just let go of the expectation or let go of the Mm -hmm. control, it's like you can be ultimately who you are. And that doesn't, and that can be a brilliant, bright, gifted, athletic, whatever type of person that you truly naturally are. Like it's there, it's it's in you, it's innate. And it doesn't need to be forced or controlled. It ties into all or nothing thinking. It's like I have to be all in or I'm all out. If I'm all in, I'm worthy. If I'm all out, I'm worthless. But it's not the truth. The truth is in the middle. You can be who you are and what you value and do the things you like. And it's not your whole worth. And you can take breaks and rest and take care of yourself. You can have all those things. Yeah, it's it's like when we accept who we are, that's when we transform. And yeah, yeah, when we accept who we are is, is ultimately when we transform. And so just to have curiosity around around what that will look like for you. Because like Andrea is saying, it's not this all or nothing thing. And that you're going to, if you're not a workaholic, you're going to be totally out. And as Andrea also <laughs> pointed out, this workaholism can drive you to then be burnt out and then you're not productive at all. And so finding essentially that balance there mm-hmm. and can be really helpful in setting those boundaries. Alrighty, so let's move now into our fourth way that unworthiness can show up in your life and how to transform it. Way number four, 
you may have a hard time honoring your own needs. So this one we've kind of touched upon when we looked at like giving and receiving, but it's really even just this concept of not even knowing what your needs are or having such a difficult time honoring them and really truly seeing them or or valuing them. Maybe you say, oh yeah, okay, I have this need, but just I'm going to cut it off. So you can just find that you suffer from a lack of, of healthy entitlement to actually getting your needs met. Like you may see, okay, yes, I have this need, but I'm not going to like ask for it because it could be shot down. I could be rejected or I could seem too much. And mm-hmm. I am the self-reliant person. Like I don't even trust people to meet my needs. For example, that can be another way. Like when I have in the past asked to get my needs met, they weren't. Therefore, people aren't there for me. And this can essentially lead to a real lack in self-nurturance. We know that eating disorders are really tied into a lack of self-nurturance. Food is how we nurture ourselves in terms of how we sustain life. And so mm-hmm. looking at, at that around needs, how's that kind of shown up for you, Andrea? The part about feeling like you like asking for help and feeling like you haven't got it before, uh, that really resonates with me. I just, I struggled so much for such a long time with feeling like, a burden asking for anything big or small was just like nope uh gotta be self-reliant um i gotta do it all on my own and i remember hearing once um the, there's like some kind of poem or story or phrase or quote anyway it's like the concept of like no one person is an island like everyone's got to be connected on mm-hmm. and rely on each other and i just remember thinking like except for me <laughs> like i'm gonna be totally self-reliant and i'm gonna be the exception and it just does not work that way it doesn't and um i'm so glad now like i have really embraced and lead into community and relying on others and it goes both ways like i enjoy having it go both go both ways i like to lean on people for support and i love to have people lean on me for support i love the give and take I, but I could never ask for it. It was like, if I had a need, someone would have to see that it was getting so extreme and then offer it. I could never ask for help. And then if someone offer it, it would like try to be gracious, but yeah, I feel bad about it. But I just had the hardest time asking for help because if someone said no, I beat myself up. If someone says yes, I beat myself up. It's just was a no win situation when you really feel like you're not worthy of help or you feel like you're a burden. Um, and I'm, I don't, oh my God, I just think back to these things and I'm just like, I'm so, I feel like I'm in such a different place now and I'm so happy for that. And if you are struggling with these things, I see you, I feel for you. It can get better. It's not fun. Yeah. And it's still like when, when we talk, I want, I, I don't think we're exonerated from like these ways that shows up in our lives. Like I'm just thinking right now, like I have one that's pretty recent where I had, a hard time honoring my need. Like I had a friend who came to visit and I took, they were sick and I knew they were sick and I got sick because of them, like because they came and I was mm-hmm. still like kind of, and I took care of them while they're here, you know, like being total like nurture and then they left and then I got sick and then I I just couldn't like, it, it, I had such a hard time being like, I like need you now. Like, but they, they were gone like, physically. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like just cause they were gone physically, they couldn't help me. And they couldn't, you know, actually like give me the soup, but I could have at least said like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm really struggling here. Like, this doesn't feel good and and open up for emotional support. And I, yes. I, I had a hard time doing that. Like, and it ultimately, but I'll say from personal growth, like we were able to have that conversation and it, it ended up bringing more intimacy and closeness with us because I was able to talk about like 
that part of me that doesn't feel like I can ask for emotional support from somebody or that like because they can't physically give me soup, then there's nothing they can do for me, you know, like. Oh, there's so many ways to give. Yeah, exactly. And two, other ways that we can find how to nurture and replenish ourselves is this, it's a path of self-discovery too, like to know what your needs are and what brings you joy and pleasure and then start to prioritize those things in your life. And because if you are stuck in this like workaholism or always, you know, doing these things because you it's going to help you achieve or get to a certain level that you feel like, okay, I'm worthy of love and belonging here, then many of these things that truly on, on a soul level nurture us aren't really attached to those things. Yeah. And you have to find what it is. Like, is it, mine's laughter. If I don't laugh in a day, like that is, a, that's a, that's a sadness to me. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm going through depression, like, or even if I'm going through a really hard time, like laughter is my medicine. And so I can laugh about hard things. I can laugh about anything, but that's, that's a need of mine is to feel laughter, to feel mm-hmm. lightheartedness, to just allow myself to, to feel that joy. Um, how has that been a process for you, Andrea, of like just starting to explore what your needs are? Like for, I, I guess for me, like my needs were so shut off in life. I felt like needs were, I really equated needs to something that I couldn't have. If I had a need, because mm-hmm. it just, it was like, the, there was like a, a block to that. Like I needs bad, must be like what other people want me to be. Yeah. And if I need anything, I'm not going to get it. And so it was just a really kind of painful experience. So I, I would block out my needs and now it's just really starting to like, I mean, this is something I've had to evolve later in life is just to ask myself like on a daily basis, what do I need right now? Even with hunger level, like what do I need right now? And I, there was a process even when I checked in every day, five times a day, and I just asked myself, what do I need right now? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have an answer sometimes, but I just allowed myself to be in the question, like, what do I need right now? Yeah. Even to just consider it is a good start, even if you don't know the answer to just wonder sometimes it's self-compassion sometimes it's rest sometimes Mm -hmm. it's to connect with somebody yeah just being in the question is something i do recommend for this is if you do have a hard time honoring your needs or even knowing what they are is to just have this self-inquiry and bring it multiple times a day and just allow yourself to to be curious about you know what do i need right now yeah just be curious notice what you're feeling notice what's happening start from there and as always this is a process an ongoing process and we go from theory to practice to mastery with time so now for our final way that unworthiness shows up in your life way number five you may undervalue your skills talents abilities and core essence So with this one, it's idea of not feeling like you are good enough. And so even if you have this amazing skill or this talent or ability or just your core essence, like who you are underneath it all, 
you can start to compare that with other people and always feel like you're not good enough. And that can lead to undervaluing your your talents, your services, which can then lead to being underpaid or not really going after the things that you truly want, going after that raise or going for that hottie that you're super into and just thinking like, well, you know, I'm not good enough. And this, this comparison can come in or the scarcity that you're not going to be able to be able to get what you want. There's not enough in the world and that you're not enough to be able to have it. Uh, Andrea, is this something that you found kind of starting to value yourself more has, has been a big process for unearthing your worthiness? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say so. And it kind of ties into like my journey with going back to school. Like, like I talked a, a little bit about how my cycle of overachieving at work and then going on leave and struggling to work consistently. And that left me feeling a little bit left behind compared to my peers in terms of like work and career and feeling like, you know, making a good salary or advancing in school career life is for other people. It's not for me. It's too late for me now. I'm, I'm too broken (laughs) or something along those lines. And I, you know this, Jessica, I don't know if I've said this on the show yet, but I have returned to college for the first time in 10 years, started um, in January. So I'm just a couple weeks into my first semester. And getting to that point was, it, it was a process because I felt like, you know, I'd see other people, yeah, going to school, getting a bachelor's degree, master's degree. Again, I have an associate's degree from 10 years ago, but it was like, I'm like, oh, I can't build on that. That's for other people. That's not for me. But understanding my worth and working on my mental health, whether that's my, you know, eating disorder, trauma, everything. I'm at a place now where it's like, I can do that. That is for me. And also I'm able, I didn't think I would, I had the ability to as well. And that was part of it. But now I understand, like I have the ability. It is for me. It's not just for other people. It's for me too. I can do it. I can start a new education journey. I can see where it takes me. And, and that's it's really fun. It's exciting. And it's something I'm still um, practicing and getting familiar with right now. Yes, you can. Snap, snap, snap. <laughs> uh, what are you going to school for? So everybody can kind of get an idea. Yeah. So right now I am, it's another associate's degree. I hope to transfer it to a bachelor's for business marketing. Cool. <laughs> marketing maven. It'll be helpful as we grow. You get a lot of uh, experience here as we grow our, our podcast network, which by the yeah. way, guys, we are bringing out amazing or we're so excited about launching these new shows so recover strong we kind of been getting the network going uh recover strong has been the first one that we've been playing around with a lot hence the listener survey being so helpful for you to fill out because we really want you to help shape this network and we're growing into the premier podcast network for eating disorder recovery and mental health struggles and recover strong is one of our core shows as well as in my body which will be debuting in this coming spring season along with then and now and it's just been amazing. We've seen 79% growth just past month in, in the podcast here. And so thank you to everybody who's been sharing it. Like, it's been so cool to just watch the amount of listeners just like skyrocket. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing. It really fuels us to be able to produce and create these new shows in my body, which is going to be much more focused on real body talk to help you accept and love the skin that you're in. And then and now is going to be a tribute to the transformation process for you to really just stick with it and keep going, even when it feels hard and you are just like in the fires of transformation. So, yeah, and 
and even just to to go deeper on this one of just undervaluing your skills, talents, abilities, and core essence is ultimately just believing that you're worthy of what you truly want. And you may not want to have a six-figure salary. That's totally cool. Like that that's something that society dishes out as successful. Who gives it a flying rat's ass? Hone these skills, talents, abilities in, in, in your core essence and just allow yourself to ask for more. And that's going to feel uncomfortable. Like all of these, it's going to feel uncomfortable to ask for more. You may get rejected. Someone be like, no. And that's just that internal part of me. Like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't want to give me more. Um, no, it's saying, well, if not you, then somebody else. Okay, you're mirroring my old story. I'm going to move on to somebody that's going to mirror my new story. So it's just starting to really value who you are, your core essence, and it's okay to be rejected. It's okay to have someone you ask for more or you ask for this and they say no. And then you say, okay, next, because that wasn't what I ultimately deserve. I deserve the yes behind that. Oh, God, how do I word this without sounding rude? Um, You can find evidence that you are worthy and you can find evidence that you're unworthy. It just depends on what you're looking for. And it ties into the concept of like, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So it is just a matter of perspective shift. You're already worthy. It's just a matter of recognizing it for yourself, which is easier said than done, but it can be done. And so I hope that through this show, you've been able to start to see that there are ways you can transform and they, it takes action. It takes feeling uncomfortable because whenever we transform, it's never a pretty process, right? The caterpillar doesn't mm-hmm. just emerge into the butterfly without being unscathed and decomposing into gloppity gook. So <laughs> there's going to be moments where it's going to feel hard and it's going to feel like you're going against ways that you've always vet, like viewed yourself want to echo what Andrea said there is you are already worthy. So to review five ways that unworthiness shows up in your life is when you have a hard time receiving from others, when you feel compelled to meet the needs and desires of others at your own expense, when you engage in workaholism, over-exercising, when you have a hard time honoring your own needs, or when you undervalue your skills, talents, abilities, and core essence. And to help you further along with this work, our next guided affirmation that's coming out in the Daily Growth Habit focuses exactly on this topic of unworthiness and allowing yourself to shine, to fearlessly shine, to unapologetically shine, to just let yourself truly step into the worthy person that you are. So to get access to this and our whole library of audio affirmations for free, go to recoverywarriors.com slash habit. Once you request your free invitation there at recoverywarriors.com slash habit, you will get set up with a private invitation link where you can listen to all of these affirmations right on your favorite podcast player. So it's super convenient, easy. You can listen to them on the go when you're driving, when you're prepping your meals, walking your dog, whenever you just need to get out of your critical thoughts and into a space where you are truly stepping in to life-affirming thoughts that are going to help you grow into your best self. So once again, get in on this next audio affirmation track to help heal unworthiness over at recoverywarriors.com slash habit. Alrighty, my warrior friends. Goodbye.
Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion like the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this warrior. Mm-hmm.